Well, good morning, everybody. How are we doing? I am so glad that all of you are here, and I'm especially glad for our online audience. Welcome. Uh, it's not like I'm really welcoming. You're probably usually here, and now you're there, and I'm so glad that you're there in your living room with me, but here. Okay, so this is a really cool thing. And one of the things that I would love for you to do is first, let us know where you're watching from. It really kind of helps us out, kind of keep connected with you. That is really cool and important. And um, we love questions here. Um, and in fact, we want to stay, I, don't, I personally want to stay in contact with you all week long. And if you have any questions or even fun, snarky comments uh, throughout the message, you can either text them or put them on the comments below uh, on the <clears throat> whatever social media platform you're streaming from, whether it's uh, Instagram, Facebook or YouTube, uh, and you could let us know, kind of, here's what I'm thinking, here's my question, I don't understand that, or if you just want to text me uh, on a private line, so to speak, where uh, it won't be, won't show up for everybody, I'll be answering all those questions throughout the week uh, in little social media vlogs, if you will. So I know this is a, a difficult time, and it's a weird time, and I'm excited that you could be uh, in here with us through this experience, because I know we're sort of terrified at about in a lot of different ways for what's happening in our country. And so church is going to look way different. And so uh, we're going to be week to week if we're going to be meeting as a people inside a building or if we'll, just, if we'll only meet with you online. So stay tuned for that. Uh, we are just seeking the Lord day to day on that. One of the things I do want you to do if you are at home uh, is go find a piece of bread of some kind in your house somewhere, okay? And it doesn't have to be like French bread. It could be a cracker. It could be anything. Uh, and w I want you to take part with us in communion as a body of believers together at some point. And uh, we have actual wine here, but you can use juice, water, grape, anything. You could just get some food coloring, maybe turn it red. That's fine. Uh, we just want you to be able to participate with us uh, in uh, a time of communion uh, because that historically is what the church has always been about gathering together early on Sunday mornings uh, to remember that Christ rose from the dead. And the way that we do that is really reflecting on that he gave his body for us to die, and then he, we drink uh, his blood, so to speak, or symbolically his blood, uh, because that's what saves us from sin. Isn't that a cool thing? And um, so this, that's what, so the online experience is going to be a little challenging, I know, for you, but please interact with us as much as you possibly can, and we're going to interact with you as much as we possibly can. We've got people that are pastors online, uh, ready to connect, ready to talk, and that's going to be a, a way that we want to engage in the future. Okay, we've been in a series uh, called uh, Freedom. And we've been in the book of Galatians, and these weird hieroglyphics are actually what the gospel is out about. And uh, it's this, that Jesus came, he died, he rose, he ascended, and he's coming back. Notice there's nothing to do with you in that, right? There is nothing to do with you being in, in this involved other than you receive what Jesus has done for you. That is the message. That is the hope of Jesus. And I feel like sometimes we can miss that because what we do, what we do is we go, um, okay, he, this is what Christians do. Jesus came, he died, he rose, he's coming back, and then I've got to do a lot of work here before he comes back because he's going to be a little bit upset and angry because there's a lot of sinners around, right? I think that's how we felt and how we've sort of looked at uh, Christianity or maybe religion as a whole in the past. And so uh, this morning, I really want us to get away from that and really to what God has designed us to be. Now, uh, Adrian and I recently went to like a family camp. Do you guys ever do family camps? Uh, this was one that was a military family camp, so it wasn't a Jesus family camp, which, which was a new experience for some of us, uh, especially Adrian. She didn't know that, that people had family camps that weren't Christian, and so that was a fun thing when we, she goes, uh, 
oh, so who are you and where are you from? She's like, I'm Adrian, I'm a pastor's wife. And everyone's like, it was awesome. Anyway, so uh, part of the, the thing was that we did a, uh, uh, an, a making an airplane thing. And I've trained my boys well on how to make a paper airplane. Like, that's part of growing up. You don't know how to, paper, know how to make a paper airplane. Um, dads, get on this, all right? This is very important. Life skill. Okay. And so um, I was like, I'm going to, we had a paper airplane throwing contest. And so the goal was to get to go like 20 feet, which I was like, 20 feet? Who can't throw 20 feet? And then I watched Austin start to fold, and immediately I'm in shock and horror as I realize he's folding the paper landscape. Do you guys know what I mean by that? Like, he's going like, he's taking it, and I'm like, no, I've always told you portrait, portrait. But I'm, I'm going to let it go because, you know, this is a learning experience for all boys that need to know this. So he finally makes his airplane, and it's landscape, and it's like, woo, and it goes straight up just like that. does a flip, uh, all that. And after watching him throw it and throw it, and the funny thing was, here's what was crazy, military veterans who should know better, who had been in a lot of boring classes and had nothing to do with their lives other than make paper airplanes, were wrecking this thing. And I was, they had to move the, like the, the, the flight line closer because of how poorly these airplanes were designed. And finally, I couldn't take it anymore, and I grabbed an airplane. Listen, Austin, it's always portrait, never landscape. And it flew like all the way over there, and it, and it was beautiful, right? And uh, everyone was like, oh, you're amazing. It was, it was glorious. Uh, because, because there is a proper design for paper airplanes, okay? Just like, watch this, there is a proper design for you. God is the designer. You are the design. And if you are not living up the way God has designed you, you will crash, okay? You will crash. And there's reasons why we don't want to live up to design because, well, let's just, let's just talk about why we, why we resist God's design. Because we think our design is better. Because, and, and this is not to be a diss on old people, but <clears throat> we look at God, we're like, God, you started it all. You made the solar system and the sun. And the earth revolves around the sun and the earth is just close enough uh, that we won't like burn up and just far enough but close enough that we wouldn't freeze, right? Like you have put us perfect distance and you have made our bodies to be able to produce like so, some way to heal ourselves when we get sickness. Immunities can rise up within our own bodies. We are designed to heal. And that is a great God way to go on that. Um, applaud you. However, however, when it comes to like who I should marry and the way I should live my life, you are, I mean, you're old. I mean, and we all know old is irrelevant. So here's the problem, God. You're too old for me to be involved in my life. And I don't want, listen, I, I appreciate how you got it all started, but I'll take it from here. Thank you very much. I've got my own design. I got my own way of living and it's working. Well, it will if, people, if the rest of the world could get on board with my design. And that's how we live. Now, now secondly, secondly, we sometimes resist God's design because of this. We think our design is God's design. And so what we do is we like make up a bunch of rules about how to live life and how other people should live life. And then we try to enforce that on other people and be like, listen, if you only knew how God wanted you to do some extra things and you're not doing them, so therefore you're flawed. Okay, and we'll get more into that in a sec. And then finally, finally, we forgot how we became a part of God's design. One of my favorite uh, Bible verses, Colossians 2.6, which you're like, what's that? It's, uh, just as you receive Christ, so walk in him. You received him not doing anything, but receiving the unbelievable amount of grace that he put on your life. And then, and then therefore, you were at that point, when you got saved, you're like, I'll do anything, God. There was just like this, 
at least for me, and maybe I don't want to speak for everybody, when I received Christ, it was like flooded with love, snotty tears, and I'm just like, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Because what I realized, I was saved by grace through faith, but I was created in Christ. I'm Christ's worksmanship to do good works. So what happens is a lot is that sometimes we think that it was our good works that we brought to the table that somehow saves us. But the reality is that God brought us to the table, and now is going to have us go and do great works. So that's where we're going to go this morning, and I want to explain that even more. We're in Galatians, and if you don't have a Bible, we have one here for you, just somewhere in front of you, and it's our gift to you. If you're watching online, here's what I want you to do. <clears throat> you can like multi-screen if you can get that technical. And um, I want you to go to netbible.org, and if, maybe if one of my handy uh, online pastors could put netbible.org and put uh, specifically where we're at going to be in Galatians, uh, netbible uses the net translation, but they also let you use ESV, so uh, they're almost as awesome as we are. And so I would love for you to go to that translation. You can follow along with us. And the reason why I want you to go to netbible.org as opposed to Bible Gateway, even though Bible Gateway is amazing, is it's got, there's a lot of great notes there that I personally I look into, and I, as a pastor, I would love for you to know where I get all my great stuff from. So uh, that's where I want you to be. And I want us to pray, and I want us to ask God uh, to just really be in with us as we get back into the book of Galatians, right? So Galatians is where we're going to be, and that's on page 974 in uh, the Bible that you have here. And just real quick before we pray is that here's a quick recap where we went. Paul is having to defend his apostleship. That's what he's doing in chapter one. He's like, look, I'm a legit apostle. I talked to Jesus himself. Like, I'm, I'm the guy. And salvation has always been by grace through faith. And he's having to defend this because they're saying, you're a Jew. You came all the way from Jerusalem. You didn't tell us about all the laws we're supposed to follow. How come you just wanted to gather some hearers? And there's some Jerusalem Jews that were, that, uh, were false brothers that claimed Christianity. And they said, nuh-uh. Listen, if you want to be a real Christian, you got to do all the commands. And Paul didn't let you in on that, so he can't be legit. And so he's having to defend that and define what salvation is by grace through faith and that Jesus came, he died, he rose, he ascended, he's coming back. It's all about Jesus and what he has done for us. Then he goes back to the Old Testament because I think what happens with a lot of us, we go, the Old Testament is for the old people, I guess. New Testament is relevant and new and fresh. No, that's not it at all. The Old Testament reveals that, that salvation has always been by grace through faith because the promise of Abraham that his offspring didn't come. I mean, listen, if you look at Abraham's life, it wasn't like he was like a superstar, right? About the only thing he did right was believe God. It was counted him as righteous, and he kept trying to give his wife away. It's like, eh. I mean, if you would, we won't get into that. All right, so, uh, and then you've got Moses, right? And so Moses is going to introduce the law of God because the problem was no one knew what sin was. No one understood that they were... Um, rebelling from a holy God who was perfect, and our ways weren't. And so the law came to reveal the darkness of our heart and our de desperate need of a Savior. Okay. Then finally, uh, in chapter 4, where we, we left off with last week, uh, Paul wrote about, we are heirs as God's children. And I said this last week, and I say it a lot, when, when, one of the things I learned in the army was when in charge, be in charge. In other words, when it comes for you to make a decision, make a decision. In the same way, if you're a child of God, be a child of God. Don't act like a slave. Slaves have to go and work transactionally with people. Sons and daughters just run to their daddy. And that's where we left off last week, and we said that, that God sends, watch, or we said, the Bible says, God sends the spirit of his son into our hearts that cries out, Abba, Father. And the term Abba means daddy, okay? Now listen, and this is where I get a lot of pushback. Like, well, doesn't that, like, 
that's just a name for father that parents or like 50-year-old men call their dad Abba. Exactly. Because it doesn't matter how old you are. It's an intimate relationship that doesn't go from daddy to Mr. Plan. There's never been a time in my son's life where they're going to go from daddy to um, Chris. Even though they try at times. Did you see that? That's the difference. And so since you have that spirit within you that cries out, Abba, Father, now, now you can live as a son and not a slave. And that gets us to verse 7. Watch this. Um, sorry, let's pray real quick. God, um, would, you, would you speak to us? Would there be something in your word that as we open it up, as we seek you, that our hearts would be set aflame and there would be something that whether we're watching from uh, our home, our car, uh, wherever we are, God, that you would be able to penetrate uh, our soul because you sent the spirit of your son into our hearts to cries out, Abba, Father. And we need to learn how to be sons and daughters of you because we've been programmed in a world that's dark. So Lord, retrain us, repair us, help us to hear from you. Lord, put me right in the seat here. Put me right in front of the computer like everybody else where I can hear and respond to your hope. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. All right, here we go. Galatians chapter four, verse seven. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. To which that's, we just like, when, when a son, be a son, when a slave, be a slave. And he just explained this. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature, look at this, are not gods. When I read that originally, I was like, what does, what does he mean by that? And then, I, I mean, this is a time when there was literal, like, little statues that people would pray to. And there were temples all over the place where you'd go and you'd... Uh, pay money, and you'd receive religious goods and services, and depending on what type of temple it was, it was a different type of religious good or service, and here's the way it would work. Watch. Remember, uh, there's Ares, god of war, okay? Now, you want to go to the battle, and you're like, hmm, should we go to the Phi Oracle Delphi? What do you think? You know, you, you go in here, you'd ask uh, the god, what should we do? Should we fight? And a lot of times, there was a lot of your own personality involved when you got the message back for the war. Do I go or not? And there wasn't a book. There was, it was kind of like whatever the God felt. Now, here's what's so fun about the Pantheon. I mean, have you guys read it? It's like watching The Bachelor season 13. Am I right? It's like you, you've got this thing, this reality, where like everybody's sleeping with everybody else. There's jealousy, like Hera. She's like the chief uh, goddess, and she's like wife with Zeus. But Zeus just, you know, he ends up sleeping around with a lot of people, and or gods, and she's always frustrated and trying to kill them. It is like glorious. It's like... It, is, it couldn't have been just a greater personification of human life ever, all right? So you've got Ares, and whenever you're in battle, you call it Ares. And I was like, what other gods were there? Because I feel like, you know, it's not just in war when we call it the god. How about this? There's Aphrodite, the goddess of love. Now, that makes sense. Like, God, please, I just don't want to be lonely. Send me the one. And you're like looking all over, and then bam, it happens. You're like, Aphrodite, I owe you. And you go to the temple, and you worship, which, you know, they had a thousand shrine prostitutes, so it wasn't hard to get guys to go to church. Anyway, so what you do is like there's this reality there that was just like, I want love, so I go to the goddess of love, and she's going to give it to me. It's a transactional relationship. In other words, I like what, and you're like, I don't, I want to, I found the one, but I need another one, Aphrodite. Can you hook me up? And she's like, yeah, I'm sorry. That one has not lived up to how he or she was supposed to live up to it. So please go find this new one. And that was sort of how reality worked. Okay, watch. You're like, okay, yeah, that's love. 
But here's one that I loved. I, you know, I did some digging. I found some good gods. Uh, there is the goddess of gluttony. That's Edophagia. Uh, you go to worship uh, her right next to Demeter, and uh, Demeter is like the fertility, like a harvest uh, god. And you go like, listen, God, I'm really hungry, and I had some great pizza, and I just don't care, and I need it. And I really feel like what you're telling me is that I should have that pizza. I deserve that pizza. And she's like, you're right. You deserve it. Enjoy. Indulge. Okay? No, no. That, okay. And you're like, ah, no, no. It's, and then you go and you pray to, to, the, to the goddess, and you'd feel a lot better about your gluttony because you're like, she said I could. And then how about this? There's Ergia. <laughs> I love Ergia. Goddess of laziness or inactivity. Like, listen, listen, I've been working really hard. Goddess Ergia. Um, what do you think I should do? And then Ergia, of course, say, listen, you have been working hard. You get up way too early. You're, you need to take, listen, take some more social media breaks at work because it is very stressful, all right? And you need a break. And listen, you need to Marco Polo a couple times in the meantime, and I need you to put a couple of Facebook statuses and Instagram updates because the world needs to know that you worked so hard. And so that's sort of how, I mean, listen, and people would go and pray, and they'd show up, and, and okay, and then you're like, well, all right, how about a practical one? God of wealth, Plutos. Like, listen, if you're ever wondering if you should, like, make a deal in business, like, do I need to tell them the whole truth? I mean, like, you know, there's some stuff we could leave out. Abs, don't tell them. We're here to make money. We're not here to be moral. And so Plutos would really help you make those really tough money-making decisions. And you'd, it'd be a transactional. You give something, and they give you some great advice, or they give you kind of what you wanted to hear. And you would pray and have a statue, and you carry around his little figurine. You'd probably put it in your house somewhere, and you'd like, mm, honor it all the time. The, the only difference between then and now is we're just more sophisticated in our idol worship. Because we would never say we, we're so beyond going to the Aphrodite's temple. I mean, who would do that except you do it online all the time? I don't go, listen, I don't, goddess of gluttony, I wouldn't, that is ridiculous. Except that my stock for McDonald's is still going up. Okay, no, no, listen, this is kind of how we are. Listen, um, listen, goddess of laziness, I don't deal with her, except you do. Or wealth, or security, or war. I mean, there's a whole world designed to kind of meet our needs, and we just call it like, I just have a need. I just have like a desire. And it's, you know, this is the way I was made and I can't really help it. And this is what I want you to see. Listen, Christians are no longer slaves to our own design, the way I view that I should be designed. You're not slaves to that anymore. That's the way you used to live when you went after every God that you could find just to kind of feed your own soul, with, put into it whatever you want. And I was trying to figure out a best way to explain this um, because I feel like there's a couple of ditches we run into. And let me just kind of show you what I mean. So we've got the my design ditch. Like I, listen, I love the way you make paper airplanes, Chris, but I know a better way. And even though it doesn't fly very far, it's what I know. And I like it. And then there's the gospel center life. And then there's man's design ditch. So let me just talk about my design ditch for a second. Here's what happens with you. If, if you're like a person who likes to do it your way and my way, and that's the only way we can do it, you fall into this trap of your fear. Your greatest fear is rejection. Uh, and your joy is found in indulgence. And so what that means is when you're indulging, you do it in secret, and you don't want anyone to really know. You kind of hide that because it's your little secrets. You know. in, in fact, you and God have a deal with your girlfriend or boyfriend. And it's like, well, you know, we're sleeping together, but, you know, we got a deal. And as long as nobody really knows, I don't want to defame God's name, but 
no one really has to know about this. And so my joy is found in the indulgence and this isolation that I keep myself in. And I disguise it as love or AKA tolerance. And what I do is I, I make everyone feel really good about their gods because I don't want, don't, please don't offend my God because my God gets angry at that. I won't offend your God if you don't offend my God. Are we cool? You be you and we can all just get along. And that's sort of how it works. And then so then the motto becomes, if it feels good, do it, okay? And then, and then everyone needs a, a personal theme song. It goes, you know, like whenever, whenever back in the old days, remember the old days when we had Major League Baseball and you have theme songs that you'd walk up to the plate with? Well, for, if, you have a, if you fall into my design ditch, your walk-up song is Born This Way by Lady Gaga. And you would say, and you would say, watch, I was born this way, and so therefore I cannot help myself, and so I must live with the cards that I was dealt. Okay, watch this. This is, this is how I live that out. Um, I have a large mouth. Very large. It gets a lot of words out, which I'm really proud of. Um, and I, but I also love popcorn, okay? And um, I like to fill my mouth with popcorn. It's how I was born. Large mouth, like popcorn. Nothing I can do. Now, God also made me with a, a hand that could put, fit more popcorn in my hand than I can actually fit in my mouth. It's a dilemma. So what do I do? So what I do with my skinny, pop, uh, skinny girl popcorn, right, is I uh, put, because I wouldn't want to be a glutton, I uh, put my hand in the popcorn and I pull out as much as I can. And then I try to shove it into my entire mouth. Now, what happens is, because there's a volume problem, uh, popcorn falls down all over the place onto the floor. And it's very sad for Adrian. Because I also have another problem. I was not made to clean. And it's just, I was not, listen, my mom was here first service, you can ask her, like, have I ever been good at cleaning? And she said, no, never. Never was a place where I was really into keeping things nice and tidy. Wasn't into that. And so we have little, thankfully we have a dog, Molly, who sometimes comes up after me. But there are times where Adrian feels like I should be sweeping stuff. And I try. And there's a, I do my best. But, you know, it's not really that good. And she has to end up doing it after me anyway. And so what happens is it's because my design is broken and flawed and everyone should just deal with it. Do you see it? Do you see how we can... I was born that way. There's nothing I can do. And you say, Chris, that's ridiculous. You could do, you, you have a choice. No, I don't. I literally feel this way. Listen, it's a, I feel this way. I, I love who I love. I can't help that. I, I can't, there's nothing you can do to change me in that. I, I don't, and listen, I just want to go indulge that because why, listen, well, if you don't like it, we'll, we'll have to talk about it. Do you see what happens? Do you see what happens? And what happens, we say, like, listen, God, I appreciate your word. I appreciate, uh, your truth and all that great stuff that you've got going. But man, that's just not me. I'll move on. Thank you very much. And what I want you to say is like, no, 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 Jesus came. No, no, this is the gospel. He came, he died, he rose, he said, and he's coming back. In spite of your darkness, in spite of your sin, he chooses you in the midst of that and you receive it and there's a life change that happens. And I know there's this temptation when you're in the middle of sin because we have done, listen, as a church, sometimes we've done a bad job of this, of being, allowing you to be vulnerable. So instead of, uh, instead of saying, here's the stuff I struggle with, you go into isolation because you're afraid of rejection. And I want you to know that this church, and if you're watching online at this church, this is what we do. We love people right where you're at and there is no rejection. Just come and let's bring that stuff to the light because that's the only place where freedom can be found. 
Okay, now, now watch. Now watch here. Watch verse 9. Watch verse 9. He's going to flip this. But now you've come to know God, or rather to be known by God. I love that. I found Jesus. Well, Jesus found me. Okay. How can you turn again back to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world? Whose slaves you want to be once more? And then he's going to say, you observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid that I've labored in vain over you. And here's what he said. Here's what he's saying. Here's what's, here's what's going on. Days, months. This is the, he's referring to the pilgrimages to Jerusalem. Okay? Pilgrimages to Jerusalem. Every year, every man will go back to Jerusalem to sacrifice and to worship in Jerusalem. That's what the law said. Okay? That's what you do. You go back for uh, Passover. You go back 50 days later for Pentecost. That's the harvest. And then you go back uh, later in the year for uh, the Feast of Booths or Tents or Tabernacles. And every male was required to go back. And if you were a good Jew, you would go. And so what, what these guys were saying, what these Judaizers were saying, is that you need to go fulfill the whole law, including festivals. So get back there. Now, listen, do you know that we're about 7,000 miles away from Jerusalem right now? And if you want to go back and fulfill the whole law, part of that is going for all the festivals. So buy your plane tickets now. The rates are great. Do you see that? Do you see how that works, though? It's like, it's not just circumcision, which was the primary thing. That was the great identifier. I mean, imagine this one. He came, he died, he rose, he ascended. Get circumcised, and he's coming back. That would be a weird shirt to print, but that's not what it is. It is, it's this. It's that he came, he died, he rose, he ascended. He's coming back because he wants to be with you. Can you please receive it? And here's our problem is we have a hard time receiving that because we like we like extra rules. We like stuff. We like, just tell me, we say this, just tell me what I'm supposed to do. I'll do it. And he says, I'm afraid I've labored over you in vain. In other words, Christians are not slaves to another man's design. Um, so here, here's what I wanted to show you is, is really where this comes from. Um, let's look at man's ditch, man's design ditch. Your greatest fear would be vulnerability. And th- remember, because if rejection is fear on one side, vulnerability is the fear on the other. It's if, if I am vulnerable, I could be rejected, but also vulnerability means I'm not in control. Vulnerability means I have, someone could take advantage of me. Vulnerability means that uh, I am weak. And your joy is, well, is then found in control. And you disguise it. You disguise this control as justice or order. When you get really angry at someone, you say, how dare they? And they, you call out all their sins, and you're like, this is a justice issue. And I, I agree, it's wrong, it's awful, it's bad. The problem is you're not putting yourself in the place of the darkness and sin that you have also participated in. Your, your motto in general is no pain, no gain. And you would say, listen, I'm working it out. I, I, listen, it's hard to be a Christian. I gotta do it. And it's like, listen, I know that I've got uh, issues and I'm gonna work it out. I'm gonna do it right. And I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna be like everybody else, those average people. I'm at least better than the people I go to church with. That's why you may have felt like hypocrites were at church because there was always somebody there just trying to be a little bit better than you and you could feel it. And then um, you got a theme song too. Uh, your, your song is uh, Taylor Swift, Better Than Revenge. Right? And, there's, and you could probably pick any Taylor Swift song to be honest. Uh, <laughs> she is kind of like uh, the ultimate... Uh, uh, legalist, like in a sense, everyone is wrong because they're all victimizing the whole world. She is right because she ain't perfect, but she's not at least as bad as that guy. And so the reality is, every time you turn around, uh, and I love Taylor, she's great, I'm sure, fabulous. Uh, but the reality is, that's sort of the song she's producing is that I'm not 
that bad, but boy, you're horrible. And this is the way it, what it looks like. And I, man, this is, can I, can I confess some things to you about my past? Are you guys going to judge me? You probably will, but I'm, I'm going to be vulnerable anyway. Um, all right, when I, when I was, I didn't start like drinking alcohol until I became a pastor. And that part of that reason was because I uh, looked down at everybody who drank any alcohol. In fact, today, if you, I were to go and drink with you, I'd probably make it through a half beer and it'd be a real struggle for me when I do it because I, I don't know, I'm going to get over that hypocrisy or judgmentalism. But when I was in high school, I was a champ. What I mean by that is I never drank. And I'd always feel really good about myself when I got the other kids to drink. Okay, so here's what I would do. I was trying to be valedictorian, right? All right? And so, and so there's, there's a couple ways that you can do it. You can either be smarter than everybody or make everybody else dumber. <laughs> so I beat all the parties, right? So all the parties. And then uh, Barbara, she was a valedictorian. I'd be like, Barbara, kind of a lightweight. You probably need another one. And then she'd be throwing up, and I'd be like, oh, Barbara, I'm so sorry you're throwing up, and I'm helping her, like, hold her head over the toilet. Like, gosh, this is so terrible. In my head, I'm thinking, I could turn her into alcoholic, and then next thing you know, I'm number one. Stop, you're doing it. You're judging me. I can see it all over your faces. Okay, I was a dark-hearted human being that I wanted to get ahead, and I felt like I could use my righteous living to get ahead. It wasn't even a Christian thing. It was just like I wanted to be better than everybody else. Okay, so that's kind of what's inside me. That's inside me, and I've got to overcome it by the power of the gospel because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. When I look at the vulnerability that I can express myself, and listen, there's darkness inside me. Jesus, I need you. Do you know how endearing that makes me? Like, you want to be my friend. Well, sort of. There's this reality where you're like, I can relate to that because I know what's in me. And it might not be that you're willing, you're willing to go that far and get other kids drink so, to drink so you can get ahead on uh, your class standing, but there's that thing in you that wants them to just do a little bit worse than you. You want everyone to get by, you just don't want them to get by you. And I think that's where we find ourselves a lot, um, is that... We make things that are not about salvation. We try and make them into salvation. So, you know, for example, you could be on like, I'm 332 days on my Bible app streak. Look how awesome I am. You should do that too. And then it comes from that, but you're not as spiritual. You should, you know, this is why Jesus is always like, when you, when you pray, go into your room and do it in secret, then your father who is in secret will reward you. When you fast, don't go around telling everyone how miserable and fasting you are because that's your reward. Congratulations. Everyone thinks you're really a hardcore Christian. But I think what happens for a lot of us, there's just this thing that we want to let everyone know how spiritual we are, and that's why we Instagram, we Facebook, and we social media to death because we want people to know. And I'm not against, obviously, we're on social media right now. I'm not against social media. But when your heart, and it's hard, it's hard to know which one it is, right? Because we can make man's design ditch disguised as really holy. Is that convicting? Should we move on? Let's move on. Verse 12. I plead with you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I became like you. Okay, this, <laughs> when I read that, you're like, what? Wait, become like me, because I became, well, then that, does that mean I should stay the same? Let, let, me, let me tell you what he's saying here. Become like me means this. He, he put aside, watch this, or he's saying, he's saying, I want you to put aside the baggage of man's design. Put it down. Put it down cultural things you've picked up that these Jewish Christians said that you need to be. Become like me. I'm free of a cultural ceremonial obe obedience to uh, the law. In other words, circumcision, kosher diet, 
uh, all that kind of stuff. Uh, that, is, that was fulfilled in Jesus. Become like me and be free from that. For I became like you. And what he means like that is like, uh, when I was those who were under the law, I became like those who were under the law. When I was those who were not under the law, I became like those who were not under the law so that I might win some. And he did that. He did that. He became like them, dropping the Jewish cultural baggage back in Jerusalem, heading to Galatia. Remember, Galatia is like all of Turkey, and he, as he's going to planting churches and all the southern border on, along the Mediterranean seaboard, he's telling them, don't worry about, he doesn't even mention it, don't worry about the culture that I came from, worry about the salvation in Christ. And then that became the thing. And that became the joy. He said, become like me because I became like you. I didn't need, I listen, if there's one person who knows the law is better than anybody, it's me. I'm like champ law knower. But Jesus fulfilled that and freed me. And he says, you did me no wrong. As you know it, it was because of an illness. And I love the fact that it was because of an illness. And here we are. Watch this, watch this. It was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. In other words, did you know that God can use an illness to bring people to know him? Did you know that illness causes you to kind of look at your life and go, I wonder if there's more to this? Did, did you know that illnesses can be a part of God's plan? Sickness can be a part of his plan because what happens in illness, you start to think about your mortality. And here's the reality about our mortality. Did you know that you're terminal? You may not have cancer, but you're terminal. It's going to happen. One day, your body's going to decay, and you are no longer going to be living uh, as a person uh, in Austin, Texas. You will be buried in the ground. Your body will be or cremated, or whatever you choose to do. But you'll die. But your soul's going to live forever. And that's the reality that we're dealing with. But sometimes God uses illness to bring awareness to the mortality of our bodies to, and then the immortality of our soul. That I, so it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you that Jesus came, he died, he rose, he ascended, and he's coming back. And even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. And I love this. This is like... In a time when illness is a big deal, and when you see somebody sneeze, you kind of want to be like, get away from me, you sick person, right? There's, I mean, and there's social distancing, which is normal, but there's a reality. I don't want to minister to that. And right now, there are some um, um, immunity-compromised people in our culture that might be older, they might be sick, and they're not here right now. In fact, you're watching online. I'm so glad you are. Um, and uh, Elizabeth Mitchell and Sarah Shop and some others uh, have, at our church want to serve you. And so if you're wanting to be involved with, with that, um, you, can, you can message us online or text me online or come see Elizabeth or Sarah after service because what we want to do is serve people in their time of need because it is an, because of an illness that the gospel might be preached. And we're wanting to go and bring groceries to people and we want to do what God has called us to do, to love people right where they're at um, when they're afraid to go into a mass chaos, Sam's, Walmart, uh, H-E-B, or whatever, Trader Joe's. Right? The reality is that we want to be able to be the hands and feet of Jesus when the rest of the world is behind uh, a closed door. Okay, so instead, he said, verse 15, you welcome me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. And then he goes, where then is your blessing of me now? I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. And this is what was weird about Paul. He had this thing with his eyes, and you kind of see, he's like, every now and then, he'd be like, see with what large hand or what large letters I write. And he always had a scribe because he couldn't write very well because it wasn't, he had a, some sort of eye thing going on, is what most scholars believe. And he's saying, he had like the crusty thing on the eyes, made you go, Ooh, oh man. And so that's what most scholars, like, they had a weird thing, and they were like, they loved him so much, they would have 
done eye surgery to transplant. But he says, watch, have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? Those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want, and this is what all cult-type people want to do, what they want is to alienate you from us so that you may have zeal for them. Not zeal for God, zeal for them, because those people get to control you. Those people get to be the ones that are in charge and in control and, and kind of run your life. They're not allowing you to walk in the freedom that Jesus has. That there, there's a misinformation campaign. They're going to kind of put some stuff out there. Here's what the church believes. Here's what Christians think. And listen, uh, if, if you ever read like secular news, like, like in world, the not positive about Christianity, they make up all sorts of stuff. And I think it's from like this place of fear and they don't even know, just like we do on, on the right as well, right? We do the same thing. And the reality is sometimes I think it's fear that drives us to kind of push us apart because, uh, well, that's exactly what God would want for us. He would want some sort of disease that would make it weird for people to get together on Sunday morning and have to watch from home. Isn't that what Satan would love to see happen? Let's break up the church. Little, little does Satan know that the Spirit of God isn't in the building, it's in our hearts. And so we have, the church goes out of this building. The church is in homes and in the city and in workplace and schools, in neighborhoods all over, just waiting for us to unleash the impact we can have on people. Okay, watch. It's fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good, and, and to be so always, not just when I'm with you. In other words, never let your private or never let your public zeal be greater than your private zeal. If you're a person that goes crazy in here and starts hooping and hollering, I pray that as you're in your living room right now, you've been hooping and hollering the whole time, like, amen, preach it. Well, listen, thank you. I would love that. You know, holler at me from there, only do it online and be like, preach it, I don't know. And, and so what I would love to see is that, that your, what goes on in your heart and your soul at home would be just an overflow expression here. I would love that. If you're dancing at home, come dance here. But if you're not, don't put on a show. Okay, my dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. I love this. This is a guy who loves these guys so much and he's just, he can't, he's just watching them pendulum swing. It's like you were just living enslaved to this, now you're enslaved to this again. No, it's about Jesus, not about you. How I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I'm perplexed about you. See, listen, every Christian is designed to have Christ formed in them. Look at this. So here's the fear that we would have. None, because perfect love casts out fear. Does that mean that we uh, have fear from time to time? Yes, because there's this thing in me, this thing in you, sometimes pendulums to the left or pendulums to the right, and so either fear of rejection or someone's going to know and I isolate, or I'm going to show up, but I'm going to fake it. But when you are just living with the power of Christ, your greatest weakness becomes his greatest strength to use you. Watch this. My joy is found in Christ. My disguise is Christ. I put on Christ. I put off anger, malice, envy, filthy language from my lips, and I put on Christ, and I'm meek, and I'm humble, and I'm patient, and I'm kind, and I forgive one another just as Jesus has forgiven me. That is what I wear. And then, and then watch, my motto is on a bumper sticker, I'm not perfect, I'm just forgiven. A little cheesy? Yes. But it's true? Exactly. And that's why we love it. That's why the things are cheesy, because they're so true. It's cliche, because it's true. And so we understand that there is God's perfect and holy law, and we can't do it, but Jesus did, and we rest in that. And then the song, there's a zillion songs, but my, probably the one that just kind of resonates with me is Amazing Grace, because the writer was a former slave trader, one of the darkest, meanest dudes on the planet, and he met Jesus, and in a second was transformed, wrecked. And he said, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. 
I once was lost, but now I'm found. Do, do you see that? And then that guy mentored another guy named William, who became William Wilberforce, who ended the slave trade in Britain and then stopped the entire course of the social justice humanity because of something happened in his heart and when he met Jesus. The greatest revolution that transforms the world is not those who think about social transformation. It's those who think about heaven and how what God has done for them and it impacts the way they live in this world now because there is no fear. Okay, so, so then the question then becomes, and listen, the, when I do marriage counseling, can I just do you free, like marriage counseling this week? It goes like this, usually, usually. It's I got, uh, and I'm not saying this all the time, so please don't feel stereotyped, but this is what happens. I've got a guy, he's like, this is just the way I am. You know, she needs to deal with it. And you're just like, ugh. And then you got a girl saying, like, and then he did this, and then he did this, and then he did this, and then he did it, and he's like, mm, see? And then what happens, you've got peop two people on, all, on, the, on the opposite sides of the gospel. Of course, they're not going to be linked, and so what needs to happen is that we need to unhitch ourselves from my design and unhitch ourselves from man's design and completely center ourselves that Jesus came, he died, he rose, he ascended, he's coming back. And even in marriage, when you're married to someone that's imperfect, another sinner, you put two sinners together, they're gonna make some sparks fly. And you need some Holy Spirit grease to bring those things together. And that's the joy of the gospel. I get to see it every week when I meet with couples, every week when I meet with people as we understand what the gospel is all about. So my question for you then is, will you live out God's design or will you pendulum swing between slave masters? Okay, that's my, that's my question. Will you live out God's design or will you pendulum swing between like this isolation, I gotta do it my way because I just need it, you don't understand. Or are you gonna pendulum swing over here and just be like, I, I listen, I gotta have control and as long as I'm in control, I feel really good about how everything is going. Okay, and we're going to do something this morning. We're going to take communion. And um, remember, this is the time if you've got um, some piece of bread or something, this would be a great time to join us. Jesus, on the night before he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body given for you. That same night, he took the cup, said, this is my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. And what we do every week is we want to get together and rally around this moment where we remember when Jesus met us. And if you've never met Jesus, if you're sitting at home, you're like, listen, that's great for you church people. I don't know what you're talking about. I want to invite you to know that we make an entire identity. It's more than a t-shirt. It's an entire identity that says this that Jesus came and he died for our sin, for our shame, for our pain, for our sickness. And he rose. Death was defeated. And then he ascended into heaven. And we're waiting for the day he's going to come back. And so if that's you, would you join us in the greatest joy you could ever find is that when Jesus meets you right where you're at. We're gonna pray. We're gonna ask God to do that. So we're gonna, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray. And in this time of prayer, if you've got a bulletin, um, this might be a time where you write down 
uh, the sins, the darkness, the stuff that you're not believing God, the fact that your pendulum swinging from my design uh, to man's law, would you kind of go back and forth? Would you just confess that on a piece of paper, put it in the giving box? If you're online, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, uh, you can text the number on the screen, and I don't know who you are. Uh, I don't have your phone number. Uh, just let us Just let us know what you're struggling with, and we will pray for you. And uh, we would love to be able to communicate with you. So if you want us to communicate with you, we will. But this is a time of confession and repentance before we take communion so that as we take the Lord's Supper, as we remember what he did for us, our hearts are right before him, that we're not in this world of darkness and we're not in this, uh, in this world of darkness uh, for our own design or in this darkness of a man-made law that just feels like we can be transactional with our God. Would you guys pray with me? Father, I'm... Um, more and more, I'm moved. I'm moved by what your gospel has done and what it means. And Lord, I'm praying that this um, morning, that people all over the city, all over the world would hear from you. Lord, would you help them respond to your gospel power? That they would come to believe that you, Jesus, died on the cross for the sins and rose from the dead. And Lord, as we take communion together, would they confess that? God, for those that are Christians, they, they may be Christians their whole life as long as they can remember, but there is this thing of, I don't, I'm this fear of isolation and I don't want to bring my sins to the forefront because I don't want to be rejected or I don't want to bring my sins to the forefront because then people might take advantage of me or uh, think less of me or use me or something. But Lord, there might be something where we just break free of the fear and understand that your opinion of us is all that matters and you loved us so much. God, that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins and rose to death so we have eternal life. Lord, can we rest on that this morning and we can believe in the great things that you have done and we will be able to see your work in the land of the living. Lord, we take this time to think about darkness of our own hearts, confess that, and be real with you. Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.